0: Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. Prepare to be transformed by God's undiluted word. So when we think as farmers as this morning, what is the seed that we have? It is the word. And what I mean by that is this. An understanding of the gospel is a must for every child of God. When I said the gospel this morning, it may not even... I'm not talking about you knowing 200 scriptures that you can quote by heart or anything. No, I'm talking about this the the story of Jesus and the cross. That's the gospel. That's the word we bring. That's the seed we have. The basic thing that many Christians today can't really, really sit down and explain it to somebody. You go, you start from Genesis, God made man... God put Adam in the garden. God gave Adam instructions. Adam disobeyed the instructions because the devil deceived Adam. And God said, there's going to be a seed of the woman, which is going to be Jesus. Who Satan, you're going to bruise his heel and he's going to bruise your head. And many thousand years later, two thousand years after that, Jesus was born and the devil found him and was trying to kill him. And he could not kill him until the day that he had finished his work, And then he said, it is finished on the cross. And on the third day after, he rose from the dead. And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. You go therefore. That's the gospel, my friends. That basic story is the seed that we take to the world. You must be able to, in the cleanest and simplest form, Bring that to anybody and explain that you know it. The sower, the Bible says, sows the word. So every Christian, you may not be able to know all the Greek of this world. You may not be able to know the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. But the story of the gospel must be clear on your fingertips like this. Jesus, the cross, and all of that, what it means. You can explain it very simply to anybody. Because Jesus said, the sower soweth the word. Is that clear to us this morning? The seed is the word. Number two is the harvest. We said the harvest is men. The harvest, if the seed is the word, what we harvest back is the souls of men. Mark chapter 1, let's read two verses from there. Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1 from verse 16. Everybody can understand, and I want to see yourself in this picture today. The same way you saw yourself as a soldier. (coughs) You saw yourself as an athlete. I want you to see yourself this morning as this farmer that Jesus is describing to us. Matthew, not no, sorry, Mark. Mark chapter 1 and verse 16. This is Jesus and his and, and the disciples Simon and Andrew. Bible says in verse 16, Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become what? Fishers of men. Remember, I was saying to us, the the harvest that we bring, our job, we're talking about walking worthy. And one of the ways by which we walk worthy is we walk with the mentality of we are farmers. Farmers understand seed time and harvest. What's our seed that we bring? Our seed is the word. What's the harvest that come is we become fishers of men. Farmers understand something, they measure progress by harvest. If you find any farmer who has a farm, he measures his progress by harvest, not by anything else. For example, say I'm a farmer, and I have this big farm, and people, tourists, will come to my farm and take pictures of my farm. <clears throat> like we saw that video this morning of that shepherd. That's, that's farming as well. Farming is not just planting. It's, it's taking care of goat and sheep and all that as well. So that's a farmer as well. People can come to my farm, and they, maybe they do a documentary on my farm, on, on CNN, on BBC, and I'm very popular. But at the end of the year, I have no harvest. Am I progressing? A good farmer only measures progress by harvest. As a church, as people of God, let's begin to measure progress by harvest. That's what we're talking about this morning. We need to begin to do the same thing. And say, in the course of this year, we approach, for example, we enter into March um, very soon. In the course of this first quarter of this year, how many people have come closer to God? Let's just even put it that way. Have come closer to God as a result of what we do. How many people that would have walked away from God did not walk away from God as a result of what we do? That's what we're talking about. Farmers measure progress by harvest. We must begin to measure progress by harvest. I began to look before God said, say, God, what really is our harvest? That our harvest as a church is changed lives. Changed lives. That's our harvest this morning. So we said number one, the seed is the word. I want to make sure that I can bring this to us simply Everybody can relate to this and find your entry point into what I'm talking about this morning. The seed is God's word. The harvest is man. Number three, we said the sower is the church. The sower is you and I. We are the laborers in this. Luke chapter 10. Let me read two verses from there very quickly. This scripture, um, we use this scripture a lot in praying for salvation of souls. But it was this year, it was the first time that I properly, in reading the book of Luke, properly understood the scripture. Let's, let's, let's read it. Luke chapter 10 in verse 1. The Bible says, After these things, the Lord appointed all other 70 also, and he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. Therefore he said unto them in verse 2, Luke chapter 10, He said, The harvest truly is great. Now we understand the harvest of the souls of men. He said the harvest truly is great. But the laborers are what? The laborers are what people? He said it is the laborers that are few. Then he said pray the Lord of the harvest. That he will do what? Send forth forth what? You know every time that I've read the scripture. I've always been thinking about. God is asking us to pray for the salvation of souls. God is not asking us to pray for harvest. There is no. In this scripture of this morning, there is no scarcity of souls to be saved. The scarcity is a scarcity of laborers. What he's actually asking us to pray here, he says, Pray that God will send forth what? Laborers. He didn't say pray that there will be harvest. He says, The harvest is there. He says, The prayer we need to pray is that God will send forth laborers. I said, God, the church is full of people. He said to me, Many are in the church, but they are not in the labor force. Are you you, you listening to me this morning? (laughs) It's a scarcity of laborers. It's not a scarcity of harvest. We are the husbandmen. We are the ones that labor. And so the prayer I will pray, first of all, is God make me a laborer. The second prayer I will begin to pray is help me to, to pray for my brother, for my sister. Pray for this church, for example, that everybody here is a laborer. Jesus said the harvest is plenty. He said, it is the laborers that are few. He said, when you pray, pray that God will send forth laborers into his harvest. And God said, don't worry about that. I, myself, I am the Lord of the harvest. (laughs) Oh, that would bless you. Began to see that winning souls and all that sometimes becomes like a very difficult thing. Somebody, I was reading something this last week about why s- salvation and um, winning souls is, is, is a tough thing, particularly in Western Europe. And the person gave an illustration of herd immunity. You, you know what herd immunity is? For example, we're talking about a virus, and there comes a point where um, the majority of people have immunity to what you are trying to bring, and it becomes difficult to be able to spread it. So, he gave this situation this way, that in Europe today, there is herd immunity to the gospel. I hope that makes some sense to you. That's part of the battle that we have to fight. So, it's not so much that there are not, I'll speak about this a little bit at the end, it's not so much that there are not people that are ready to be saved, it's that there are no laborers that are ready to go into the harvest. So, I'm asking every one of us this morning, are you a laborer or are you just a church member? It says to pray for laborers into the harvest. I said the sower is the church. Amen. amen. If you understand me up to that point, give me a good amen. amen. So we said the seed is what? For the, the seed is what, everybody? For Number two, the harvest is what? Amen. The harvest is men. Number three, the sower is what? The church, the, church, the laborers. That's That's where there's scarcity. There's a scarcity of laborers. Say send, pray that God will send forth laborers into his harvest. Number four. I said the season is now. The season for the harvest of the earth, particularly, for example, we, you and I live in Western Europe today. This, the season for the harvest of souls in our continent, in our nation, in our city, Berlin, this morning, is now. Revelations. Let's read from verse four, chapter 14. Revelations. And this is the picture that I want to leave on our mind this morning and in the realm of the spirit. God is asking us to put in the sickle and to pull in the harvest. The problem is not that there is no harvest. God said the harvest is ready. Many people don't even know that they are ready. But God says they are ready. All I need is people to come and help me to pull in. Pull in the sickle and bring in the harvest. The seed is the word. The harvest is man. The sower is the church. And the season is now. Revelations 14. Let me read from verse 15. It says, and I saw and another angel came out of the temple. Crying with a loud voice unto him that sat on the cloud. And he said, thrust in thy sickle. Thrust in thy sickle. The sickle is, is an instrument that is used for harvesting. He says, thrust in thy sickle and reap. For the time is come for thee to reap. For the harvest of the earth is what? Come on, people. Does that strike a chord in your spirit? It says the harvest of the earth is ripe. There is a time when you go and harvest and it's not ready. The Bible is speaking to us this morning. It says the harvest of the earth is ripe. It says you come and you put in the sickle and reap. Uh, We begin to take this in the place of prayer and position ourselves like this. That as I walk through life, God will begin to direct my steps towards overripe fruit ready to just be plucked. I put in the sickle because the harvest of the earth, the Bible says, is ripe. In verse 16, it says, And he that sat on the cloud, thrusting the sickle on the earth, and the earth was ripped. And another angel, in verse 17, came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also, having a sharp sickle, (laughs) the angels of God, angelic ministrations, will be available for us in these last days to put in the sickle and pull in the harvest in the name of Jesus men, women, children will have angelic visitations in our days to help us to put in the sickle. The Bible says in verse 17 here, another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also, like the first angel, also had a sharp sickle in his hands. In verse 18, the Bible says, and another angel, this is the third one in our text this morning, another angel came out from, out from the altar which are the power over fire. And he cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, thrust in your sharp sickle. It's not just in your hands for, for joking. Say, says, thrust in your sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for our grapes are fully ripe. This is, this is why I want to become our prayer over our city. Let us become our our confession over the city. Said the grapes of this city are fully ripe in the name of Jesus. The grapes of this city are fully ripe in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says if we are willing and we are obedient, we are going to eat the fruit of this land. And the Bible says the fruit and the grapes of this land, they are fully ripe in the name of Jesus. The harvest of the earth, the Bible says is ready. (laughs) Most of you got, you got from me, Um, In the last week or so, our plan for the rest of this year. At the time that we were sending that, we didn't even know where exactly we were going to be. But at least we sent it out and we know this is our plan for this year. How many people took a look at it? Did you take a look at the plan for the year? Some of us. Some of us just threw it away. You will notice that the very next event that we have for this year is on the 25th of March. And it's going to be this music outreach. Let me speak to us a little bit about that this morning. I'll speak more in the coming weeks about it. But on the 25th of March, just about a month from now, we will, all of us, because remember, the sower is the church. You and I are the laborers. We will step out and sow seed and expect harvest. If, um, for example, we say, Let's give money towards our church building. And you say, I don't care about that. That doesn't concern me. That's okay. It's not okay. But in the in context of what I'm talking about this morning, it's okay. But when we say it's time for harvest and you recoil and you feel, you know, part of it, it's a different story. From what I've been talking about this morning, you see the laborers are few. So there is real scarcity. We're looking for laborers. And Jesus is crying from heaven. And he said, I'm the Lord of the harvest. My harvest is ripe. I'll go back to that scripture in a few minutes. He says, my harvest is ripe. My harvest is ready. I need laborers. So I'm asking us this morning, I need laborers. So you cannot, what I'm talking about right now, for the 25th of March, you cannot say, it doesn't concern me. Every one of us. The sower is the church. The laborers are you and I. The Lord taught me this about that 25th of March. He said there are what he called low-hanging fruit. That's what we want to target on that day. What, what are low-hanging fruit? Let me just read out to you from my note. He said, low-hanging fruit abound all around. I'm reading now just as God speak, spoke to me. He said, low-hanging fruit abound all around. In, in time to explain that to me, I, I understood that scripture from Matthew Sorry, Mark chapter 12, verse 34. Let's read that, and then I'll continue to read some of those things to you from my note. Mark 12, 34. And that scripture was where Jesus was having this this conversation with with the scribes. And then in verse 33, one of them answered him and gave him a very good answer. And then in verse 34, look at what Jesus said to the man. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, Jesus said to that man, Notice those words, thou art not far. Do you see that? So among all of them, they ascribe the Pharisees, they are all talking, they are that they are all that. There is one of them, Jesus looked at him and said, you in particular, you are not very far away. That's a low hanging fruit right there. In explaining to me further, the Lord said, this low hanging fruit, apart from that they are bound all around you, they have no major objections. They just haven't found the right entry point. No, there are people that argue and argue and say, no, and no, Jesus, and all that. We're not talking about those ones now. There are people that, they're not Christians, they're not church people, they're not everything. But really, they have no major objections and they, they just haven't found the right place to mix in. It says they are ready for harvest, waiting for the sickle. If you, if you now go back to that scripture we read in Luke 10, verse 2, where Jesus said, He said unto them, The harvest truly is great. Let me ask you this, everybody, this morning. At what point can we think of a farm? I know many of you have never been to a farm before, but some have. At what point can you start calling that? thing that you look at, maybe let's say tomato field and all of them, at what point can you start calling it a harvest? When it's ripe. At the time that it begins to grow and it's green and it's hanging there, you can't call it a harvest yet. And you will notice the Bible here, it, says it calls the fruit of the earth, it calls it a harvest. It says the harvest is great. We cannot call it a harvest unless it's ready to be plucked. When Jesus calls it harvest, it's these people are ready. There are people all around us that are ready. He said to me, he said, love them in. He said, it's not about church growth, but kingdom growth. So in this month of March, as we walk towards this music outreach, I want every one of you to begin to look in your life, in your environment, for this low Hanging fruit around you. These people that they're just happy go lucky, they, they're not your philosophical, arguing people that will tell you why the Bible was written in 1822. You know, all of, that's not what we're talking about here. Talking about this simple guy who just, but he, inside him, there is a pool of God, but he has just not found a place. That's, that, those are the people that Jesus said, that's harvest, it's ripe. We can't call it harvest unless it's ripe, but he says that harvest is there. It's great. And God is now looking for every one of you this morning as his laborers. What I want every one of us to do is find those people and bring them in here on the 25th. We'll be back in church at that time. It's a Friday evening. And all we'll do is just sit down and sing about Jesus and sing about Jesus and create the atmosphere and ask them. And we'll put in the sickle. And the Bible says the fruit of the earth is ready to be harvested. Are you with me this morning? That's what we're going to be doing. So between now and then, this is our project as a people. And so like I was saying, if you then say, mm, yeah, let them be doing that. I'm not part of that. There is a serious problem with that. When we're talking about our working worthy, there's a major point of working worthy. Every one of us, you will have somebody in your environment, in your sphere of influence, somebody that can come in on the 25th and just sit down and, out and enjoy a nice music evening. And as they sit down and enjoy a nice music evening, we trust that God himself will, like that angel shouted, that angel, the third angel spoke to the second angel. He said, put in your sharp sickle and pull it in. He says, because the grapes are fully ripe. And that's what we're going to be praying, our prayers between now and then, our heart desire between now and then. We're going to stand out as, as, as husbandmen, and we will reap the fruit of the earth in the name of Jesus. Does that make sense to everybody this morning? This is us walking worthy. Let me begin to wrap this up this way. If you look at all of the three illustrations we've seen in the last three weeks—the soldier, the athlete, the farmer—there are a few things that are common to all three of them. Three things that are common to them. Number one is, for all three of them, convenience is not a driver. Convenience is not a factor. Con- con- it's convenient. Um, there are people, for example, who have not been to church for the last three months because church moved far from where they live. You know, con- convenience is not a driver for, for the soldier. We're going, to, we're going to the mountains of Torabura, wherever we're going. That is, convenience is not, um, I'm, a, I'm an athlete and um, I come from a very hot place in the Sahara and the Olympics is going to take place in, in Winnipeg, in Canada, and it's going to be minus 30 degrees. So I say, because of that, I'm not going to the Olympics. The, by the next Olympics, I'm already too old, but I don't mind. I'm not going to go. No, I go. Even if I'm going to freeze to death, I die in gold. <laughs> So I want us to understand, as you look at all of them, as we're walking worthy, let that old concept of serving God by convenience, I pray for you, I pray for myself, I pray for us as a church, that that concept will be out of the window in the name of Jesus. We serve him, convenience is not a driver for us. They have, when we speak about, I think I, 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 can, I can say this at this point, you see these Lively Stones people, all these people here, Lively Stones, these people that are singing here, Um They are are convenience singers. I'll tell you why I say that. I use them as an example this morning. Three months ago, we were going to start, um, I mean, we we didn't have a place, and we were here on, on some Sundays, and it was so expensive, we couldn't pay for it for Friday and Sunday, so we're going to have Bible study at my place, which is very close to Moscow. Um, I asked my wife, I said, um, send out a note to everybody. In the past, what we would normally do is we'll just put people on the roster and say, Bible study is in Marsdorf, and you are leading worship today, and everybody's there. But this time, for some reason, we just thought, let's just do it this way. Ask Lively Stones... Which people are ready to come all the way to Marsdorf on Friday evenings? It's going to be very, very inconvenient. They're going to get back home. If you live very far away, you're going to get back home at 10, 11 at night. It's going to be, I mean, it's in the winter. How many people are ready, maybe just once a month or something, um, to come all the way to Marsdorf to, to, to lead worship on the Friday evenings? You know how many people responded? Zero. So we started, myself and the pastors had a meeting, and I said, I'm learning as a pastor. My old pastor would just say, You're on the roster. So go and do it. No. So as pastors, we said, okay, what we're gonna do is, for the whole of, the, of December, January, up till now, what we're doing is, um, we had Pastor Buki will lead prayer, Pastor Shade will lead worship, I'll do the Bible study. That's what we were doing all the time. And then we had, we had Goke and Laulu as, and Emeka, those were the three that were with us, setting up the instruments and setting up the place so that we could have the place ready. So those six of us, just all that. Sometime in January, I was thinking about this, and I said to my wife, I said, that message that you sent, and nobody responded, maybe they didn't understand it. I mean, these people love God. So I said, send it again. <laughs> I'm serious now this morning. I said, send it again. So she sent it again. You know how many people responded? Give me an answer. Zero. Zero. <laughs> but everybody likes to come to Zana Hotel hey, praise Lord, praise Lord. and praise that and all of that. But <laughs> And, uh, and, and be in the, in the bus, in the train, trying to get to get off, to and then you're late and then you're running and it's difficult and then we finish at 9 p.m. and you're getting back home and you're hungry and you're tired and, and then you, you get back home at 11 and all of that. That's tough. But we didn't have any single person. No wonder in our days we haven't seen the glory of God like we should see. And that, That's just one example. I'm sure if I go into all of the ministries in church and we really have real tests that push people, we'll get the same results. I pray God will help us in Jesus' name. I've never known to serve God um, on the basis of what is convenient. I could tell you stories and stories this morning of sacrifice after sacrifice. And that And There's no real way to serve God. And so these examples of the soldier, of the athlete, and this farmer that we see. You don't see convenience in any of their lives. Come on to all three of them is, number two, they have end goals. They have end goals. They're not just there for fun. There is something they're after. The soldier is, this place must be defended. (laughs) The athlete is thinking gold or nothing else. The, f- the farmer is saying, We, we had some harvest last year. The harvest of this year must be greater than that. That's that, set, that mindset, goal oriented. That's what we're talking about. You see it common to all three of them. We're not just going through life, whatever comes, kiss, sarah, No, no, no. We're going there, and there, is, there are end goals in their minds. But one last thing, as I close this morning, that you will find that is common to all three of them is the get rewarded. <laughs> the get rewarded. The soldier. <laughs> we read he doesn't have to worry about any civilian and civilian things. He goes to war and all his needs are met. He doesn't have to say, Oh, the money for my boot, the money for my uniform, oh the food I'm going to eat. No, it is the Bible says it does not entangle himself with civilian affairs, those are catered for. That's the reward of his service. <laughs> you look at the atlas. Have you ever seen um, the, the smile on the face of somebody when he stands on that podium and they put gold around his neck and they begin to play the national anthem of his country? Oh, there that, that is pride inside. You know, is that what I'm talking about here? That's, that's, that's what the Bible just compares us to. And you think about the, about the farmer. The Bible says in that verse 6, we read this one, in, it says the husbandman man that laboreth is first the partaker of the fruit. Let me share something with us here. The Bible says there that we are husbandmen, we labor, And it says the the, the, the harvest is men, we said, is the souls of men. But the Bible says we are partakers of that fruit. Every time anybody comes to Jesus because of you directly or indirectly, for example, look at this pulpit I'm preaching with this morning. The base is dirty. If somebody just came and cleaned it up, and somebody came to church this morning and said, oh, I like church, and gave the life to Jesus, that person that cleaned it, directly or indirectly, a fruit harvest came. The Bible says you are a partaker of that fruit. Do you understand that this morning? Our hearts are there. So you see all of these people, convenience. It's not a driver for them. They have end goals in mind They're driving after something. Paul said to us in 1 Corinthians 9, he said, I do not beat, do not beat against the air. No, I don't do that. He said, I, there is a focus. And then all of them, there is a reward. Because the God that we deal with is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God is not someone that uses people and dumps them. He rewards. We're talking about our vocation that they, that Paul said, walk worthy of your vocation wherewith you have been called. I'm going to ask us to rise on our feet. We're gonna pray a few minutes this morning. Thank you for listening to this message. Please hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. For questions, please send an email to Pastor Mo at thestonechurchberlin.com. God bless you.